everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the All Things Georgia, presented by UGASports.com. It's a call-in show. I'm your host, Paul Meharry, joined by my side, as always, Andy Stowe and EFA, Eddie from Ackworth. We're not talking Atlanta, we're talking Ackworth, but we are talking some Atlanta sports today to go along with these Georgia Bulldogs. So guys, I think we'll start in the positive here. Uh, we'll start with the Georgia game yesterday. We've had a night to sleep on it. Um, we overreacted a little bit yesterday, but I think when you go back and look at this game, probably one of the best best wins they've had all season and really could be a momentum booster for these next three that looked, you know, a little complicated. Eddie, we'll, uh, we'll start with you, my friend. Yeah, good evening, boys. Uh, that was really nice. I mean, we've beaten Florida now three years in a row by 20-plus points. I mean – you can't be any happier than that than than having that happen to Florida. They're just awful people, all of them, and we beat we've beaten their butts three years in a row. So, it makes me happy. Um, my takeaway, guys, on the game just overall, Carson Beck. I mean, Carson Beck has now set a record. Are y'all aware of this? He has now set a record. He's the first quarterback in SEC history with eight straight games of 250-plus passing yards. I saw that. Wasn't the last guy like uh, that true freshman or something at at Texas A&M that was supposed to be amazing? He had seven. What's his name? What's his name? Andy, you should know this. I'm sorry. Kenny Kenny something, right? I don't know. Anyways, Uh, go ahead. My bad. Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, he's a machine right now, guys. Um, And we talked about it a little bit last night. He had to do a little better on the on the deep balls. Um, he's missed a few of those, and I think it's cost us, what, 40, I don't know, 35, 42 points this year, missing some open receivers down the field. But it doesn't matter to me at this point. He, he is just, to me, the most impressive thing with, with Carson Beck right now is pressure in his face, and he has six guys coming at him. He finds the open receiver calmly and makes a play. I love it. We got a uh, shout out from Hayden Stowe here. Says, "Hey, Andy and Eddie, that's cool. You don't have to say hey to me. That's fine." Uh, Foster Moss says, uh, "Evening, Paul, Eddie, and Andy. Oh, goodness, evening, Paul, Andy, and Eddie from the A. Uh, we appreciate that, Foster. Yeah, Foster. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a night to to sleep on it now, Andy. Uh, this the best win for George all season, or?" It's the best one all season. Um, it's because for me, offensive line looks a lot better with pass or rush uh, running, running the ball. Like the pass protection has been good all year, and you saw like Carson Beck stands there. He just doesn't get hit. I was what he get one sack yesterday. Is that right? And I mean, you got guys that are. I mean, we all we're having hundred yard rushing games now, where we wasn't we weren't having that earlier on. But Lad McConkey, that guy, he's. I mean, I know Eddie, you talked about him last night. Lad McConkey is that guy. I mean, he's. The t- when he can cut and go, like, I thought he's as good of a wide receiver, maybe outside of Luther Burden and uh, Marvin Harrison. But that guy, he is, he is, I mean, he is a great wide receiver. He is an NFL wide receiver. And he was a fringe two star, three star when we got him. And now he's, I mean, he's going to, I think he's going to be in the top four rounds of the draft. I, I think he could go. That's incredible. That's incredible to think about. You go third round, mate. I mean, I think that's I think that's doable. I don't think that's out of the question. Well, we've got a uh, a first round talent backstage here. Let's bring him on here, Nick. What's going on, man? How are you, guys? How are you? 
Good. How are you, Nick? If you want to introduce uh, your friend here to the uh, to the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Nick Cellini from 680 The Fan joining us. You can hear him. Well, I'll let you tell how people can hear you and what you do. But uh, I did have a text, Nick. I wanted to start with two questions. The first, a guy texted me and said to ask you your favorite question, and that is, where, where's Domino? Isn't that your where, favorite question? That's a very good question. I think he's still recovering from back surgery. Okay. Or, or preparing, I should say. He's recovering yeah. from back injury, preparing for back surgery. Yeah. I, I just always heard, and he said that you always love that question. So oh, I thought absolutely. I'd start off. Yeah, I know. They go every place question. together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Nick, I, I've been a fan for a long, long time. I think you do a great job on the radio. And now, tell me, when did you move from Cleveland to Atlanta? What, what, what year was that? November of 1996, so uh, just after the Olympics, okay. um, I started working over at CNNSI, uh, Sports Illustrated, and CNN had that joint sports venture. And then uh, after that, let's see, I moved down here in November, and then April of uh, 97 is when 790 The Zone started, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Okay. Well, that, that leads me into my question, because I know you're loyal to your Cleveland background. That was your upbringing. And um, when I first heard you on the radio, I'll never forget this, Nick. It still makes me laugh to this day. It was like a week after Art Modell moved the team to Baltimore, right? right? And you were still ticked off. And you were younger then, a little bit crazier. But I'll never forget what you said. You said, hey, this goes out to you, Art Modell. When you die, I hope you have an open casket so I can crap on your face. And when I heard that, not only did I laugh my butt off, but I said, I got to listen to this guy because he's loyal as the, as the day is long to his sport. And the other thing, Nick, is that when you were here, I read an article that said the fans here have embraced you as one of their own, right? And right. I think you know why, because there's only two awful sports franchises in America, the first of which is Cleveland right? The second of which is here in Atlanta. Wow. That's why I think the fans have embraced you. I, I really believe that's the case. Well, I guess it's a blessing in disguise because unfortunately uh, the Falcons, they build up our hopes only to have them come crashing down, you know, week by week. You think they're starting to turn a corner and then something like today happens for some unexplained reason. So Nick, let's, let's just get right into it because I saw you tweeted out. You had the same thoughts that I did. Um, and the press conference at the end, you weren't there, obviously, and I, I wasn't there, you know, but some of our friends and colleagues were there and they asked some questions about uh, what's going on with this quarterback situation. And it seems like no, it, it doesn't matter if, if Heineke would have gone out there thrown for 500 yards, five touchdowns and won the game. It seems like this is still Desmond's team. I know that you're going to get into it on the radio, but I'd love to get a sneak peek into what your your brain's thinking right now uh, after after hearing. Arthur Smith say that. Well, it's one thing to be, you know, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Kirby Smart, you know, have a pedigree as a winning coach. It's another to not even have a winning record and yet still act like you're the smartest guy in the room and nobody else understands football except for you. And I think that's the attitude that Arthur Smith has at this point. And for him to be so flippant, it seemed after the game to say, oh, we didn't pull Desmond Ritter because of performance. Yeah, he was briefly in concussion protocol, but was healthy enough to play. So obviously there was more to it than meets the eye. But once again, Arthur Smith insults our intelligence. What I do know, it looks like, based on what he had to say after the game, that Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter when the Vikings come to town. Why, I have no earthly idea. So four out of five drives 
Taylor Heineke is responsible for 20 points. And I'm not saying it's all on Desmond Ritter. This offensive line has been a major disappointment thus far, especially today against that Titans team. They made him look like the 86 Bears. But I, I think behind an offensive line like that, you need a quarterback with some experience or you're going to see more of what you've seen as of late. Yet another fumble, another turnover by Desmond Ritter today. His exact quote was, we didn't take him out for performance issues. That's why Taylor is here as a backup to give us a shot to win. So that's terrible. He, he, he was clearly better. It was, I mean, it was not day different. I know the stats don't show it, but you could tell he was so much better at running out. No, the stats even showed it this week. I mean, it, he looked far and away, way better. They looked way better. Eddie, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Uh, you, you sit on these thoughts a lot. Yeah, this team, I say it every week, this team lives to kick us in the nuts, and they do it every week, it seems like, one way or another. And, you know, I've been touting this defense all year long, and the defense was putrid today. It was absolutely a 31-year-old receiver and a rookie quarterback who's done nothing in this league. It was ridiculous what we watched on defense today. And and I think Heineke going in there in the second half gave the team a spark. They looked different. He looked more decisive. He made some great throws. He did everything he could to win the game. But the, I, the defense didn't make a stop to get us the ball back. And then your guy that you just brought in, Van Jefferson, drops the damn ball for a first oh. down, and there's the game. But the defense up to that point had been awful, and they made a stop to give us the game, and we couldn't do it. It's just Levis, so close. had four touchdowns, and he threw for 238 yards. I mean, his first start. I mean, he just torched us. He lit us up. So. Yeah, what what do you think about Levis coming out there and, and showing Georgia? Uh, I mean, that, that's going to be the water cooler talk tomorrow, right, Nick? Up in Tennessee, that's going to be this guy's the next Peyton Manning. Uh, obviously, one game is not going to show that, uh, but that's going to be the talk. And, you know, uh, the Falcons are sitting here with two, you know, subpar quarterbacks. Meanwhile, Tennessee has seems like three or four or seven, you know, up there. And two terrible losses in the last three yeah. weeks. Fortunately, they win at Tampa last week, but the week before they lose to the Commanders and then this loss. And they didn't have, if, if memory serves me correct, I heard Wes say in today, Durham, they didn't have any touchdowns of 20-plus yards all season long. They had four. Today, Andre Hopkins, nine games without a touchdown, tying his career high with today. As you said, Will Levis, four touchdowns in his initial start. So another team gets well at the expense of Arthur Smith and the Falcons. And I know this division's bad, and I know technically they're they're still right in the thick of things. But, you know, you're talking about these things now twice in the last three weeks. You have no more margin for error. And I, I guess the big picture now, what do we say all the time as a fan of whatever team we root for? Oh, we should win that game. We should win that game. Look at who we're playing. Guess what? Everybody's saying that about the Falcons now. We should be yep. out. They're terrible. Well, Nick, I have a question for you because Eddie, Eddie and I disagree with this. I want the Falcons to lose every game and at least get a good draft pick because I think a blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then. And Eddie wants them to win. I don't think even if they weren't win the division, they can't do anything. So we're, I think our average draft position in the last 10 years is somewhere in like the 17, 18 range. We're doing the same stuff every year. That's why I'm like, hey, maybe we can get a draft pick that's up, that's early, and, and somehow get lucky and draft a good quarterback. Because I'm tired of seeing seven and ten, eight and nine, nine and eight. I just don't think it's. I don't want to be on one of the crazy, like either really bad or really good. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the key. You have to get a quarterback, right? I mean, it's cliche to say, but the Falcons did it twice with Michael Vick and Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan certainly comes to mind. You know, think about what happened going into his rookie year. They had no coach, they had no GM, and they had no board. So it all came together because obviously having Michael Turner signing him as a agent. Mm-hmm. You have the right guy, you're, you're stable for 10 to 12 years. If you don't, you're chasing your tail time and time again. And, and the reason I'll defend myself here, the reason I say I want them to win is because they'll probably get a good draft pick and screw it up and draft a quarterback from Iowa who can't throw a touchdown. That's what they do. So just go ahead and win. I don't care anymore. I'm tired of the draft pick stall. I agree. I just don't think we can get a quarterback in the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th pick. I, I want us to get – I mean, I, we have a lot better shot at going one, two, or three to get Matt Ryan again versus drafting it at 10, 11, 12. So – and they would follow that. They would. They 100% would. They would probably get another halfback. But for a tight end. No, a wide receiver. We need yeah, a, wide, a tight we need shiny right. toy. A tight yeah. end. That's what it is. Yeah. Let's let's switch to a uh, a much calmer topic here, Nick. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs yesterday, forty three twenty against uh, you know Florida and Jacksonville. What did you see from this team yesterday? I, we have a show we do on this channel uh, every Saturday. It's called the Post Game Overreaction Show. Or it's short for the POS. Um, right. and, and we we really kind of go it's it's out there, right? Um, and we we overreact way too far, either good or bad. And the question I had for everybody yesterday was. Did this game change your mind for the next four games, uh, whether in a good way, a net neutral way, or or a bad way? Most obviously, it's not going to be a bad way. But did this change your mind with this schedule now? You know, getting much tougher than than everybody said, right? This was a cupcake schedule, and then now look at it. You've got three teams out of your last four in the top twenty. Uh, so you know, it's gotten a little bit uh, harder here here lately. Yeah, it's a dangerous thing to say, but I, I think at times they were bored playing against some of these teams and they needed something to challenge them. They're two biggest games of the year. Look at what they've done. Taking apart Tennessee and then taking apart Florida, you know, especially after falling behind seven to nothing, everybody was nervous. And then Billy Napier was all of the year. When I say <laughs> all of the year, I mean the worst call of the year on that fourth and one. You wake up Georgia, they finally get a fumble recovery. They finally get some sacks. They finally get a safety. I mean, everything just kind of came together. I just think with Kirby and this team, they're a big game team. And I, I think they rise to the occasion with some of these big games. And, you know, listen, they're not going to forget about Missouri after what no, Missouri no. almost did to them last year. I mean, they're they're definitely going to consider this one a big game as well. And it's funny when you looked at the schedule, beginning, nobody thought this was going to be a gauntlet of any way or shape or form. And, and yet here we are starting with – Missouri now but yeah I mean I I think that what we take out of it is the talent's always been there but I think that they needed those big moments to come through and and Carson Beck you know, I, I think he's answered question after question after question so got that was Georgia's 35th straight regular season win that was their 24th straight win they won 18 straight SEC East games and I mean that's Kirby's six and two versus Florida that's impressive I mean that's I just can't imagine, the, I don't know, being a lifelong Georgia fan, my, my friend Matt sent a text. He's like, can you imagine the kids these days seeing this, living this? And we were in the 90s and never won a game. So they don't know how lucky they are. So it, it's crazy how like, how much winning Georgia's doing right now. Three years ago, Kirby Smart was 48 and 14. He's currently 89 and 15. 
Three years ago. That's crazy. Run that around your head a little bit. That's especially the Jordan. Think about, as you said, all the shortcomings, you know, go back to the 80s. You know, once once yeah. Vince Billy decides to retire, Ray Goff beats Florida his first time around. Then they demolish him, Jim Don, and they demolish him, except for that 97 <laughs> when yeah. as him carry him off the field. Mark Rick struggled against them. And, and finally, now it seems like you got a guy who has Florida's number, and that doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. He, he hates Florida, too. That's the good thing. Spurrier hate, hated us. And what was he, three and – or he was 15 and three against us? Is that right? And, yeah. Um, I mean, now it's, it looks like we got our guy hates them as bad. So yeah, it's I know that people. I, I got talked about somebody said I shouldn't call Billy Napier um, Sun Belt Billy, but come on, that guy is just. I don't think he's going to be the guy. I just can't see it. So. Yeah, he walked into it last week when he said, you know, coming off buys in the Sun Belt, we have a plan. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> For the Sun Belt. Hey, hey, Nick. I know you saw the turf or, or lack thereof down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> What's your what's your thoughts on you've been doing this a long time? What's your thoughts on the game in Jacksonville? Again, this is Nick Shalini from Six A the Fan. Everybody, uh, big time. I mean, he's the voice of Atlanta uh, sports, really. So I think he was my yeah. agent. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you are, man. It, I, I turned I turned you guys on. Uh, I was driving around the other day, and I think Domino was like talking about how he was on like seventeen pain meds, and I was yeah. like, dude, how is how is Nick doing this right now? That's all. Like there there was a, there was a time there for like I don't know thirty minutes. I just couldn't. It was like train wreck. T like watching a yeah. train wreck. I couldn't oh, yeah. turn it because yeah. Domino's just like, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just, I messed up on these pills, man, and I just I got to get out of here. And you're yeah. like, can we talk about it? something thought. else? He's like, yeah, he's just like, I'm good, you know, I'm I'm feeling good, guys. <laughs> um, so you know. Uh, Good stuff though that you guys you guys do over there at six eighty. But what's your what's your thoughts on this game in Jacksonville? Uh, obviously, you know with the turf, not, I wouldn't even say turf sod being installed Monday and Tuesday, it doesn't seem like this is a big priority to Jacksonville. But then you have these boosters that uh, you know, for Georgia and Florida who have houses down there. They spend two three weeks down there. They spend good money to Georgia. Where do you see this game eventually ending up? Um, well, I mean, I know what Kirby wants. It's no secret, oh, right? Yeah. He wants it to come back to campus. But I, I think the issue here is there's just so much money to be made. I mean, you double, triple, whatever you make for a home game. I, I think the logical um, compromise, if you're going to keep it at neutral sites, even when they renovate for the umpteenth time, the old Gator Bowl, I think you have to change the recruiting. It has to be treated like a home game for both of these yep. teams they have to have yep. access to recruits because that's Kirby's biggest sticking point right now. We're losing a home game. Not only that, but because it's on a neutral site, I, I can give them tickets, but I can't do anything else. So with NIL and everything else, it only makes sense to, to make that adjustment and at least give the coaches time to recruit these kids at Jacksonville or, you know, at the Cotton Bowl, wherever you want to talk about where some of these rivalries are played. That That's the rule that I think will change because it has to. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree because, like you said, Florida had kids there this weekend, but you, you can't really – again, you, you can't air quote, I, do much with them. That, how, how stupid is this? The home yeah. team is the only team that can bring recruits there. That, that, a, that makes no sense. B, why can't you bring recruits to a, to a neutral site game anyway? What the heck is the difference? I don't understand. I is it, it, Eddie, not only that, they should do it at every away game. If George is playing – Well, yeah, that's a great point. You know, let, let the recruits come. I mean, heck – uh, three-fourths of Vanderbilt Stadium is going to be Georgia fans anyway. Let the recruits yeah. and, and spend some time with the team that they want to visit. I, I, I think not only neutral site games, make it universal across college yeah. football. Yeah, right. 
That's a great point. Other team that we have that we talk about, Nick, and I won't keep you too long. Uh, get you for about ten more minutes if you don't mind. We, we talk okay. about the Braves. We talk about the Braves a lot here, and um, on our Sunday show, obviously disappointing. Uh, greatest. You talk to Eddie. Eddie's blood pressure is raising right now. Uh, I can see it. Uh, greatest regular season of all time. You should see the text messages I got from Eddie uh, during this postseason run. I mean, I think he wanted to jump off his balcony at one point. I mean, it, it got rough. Um, we had to we had to pull him back. What happened to this team in the playoffs? Was it the, was it the okay before before I before you answer Nick? Yeah, sure. Was it was it this off week? I mean, you have to really examine everything at this point. I know the Astros were the only team that had some time off that advanced, right? I mean, the Dodgers get swept, the Braves get it handed to them, and I I don't have an answer. I mean, they tried it last year to rest. They tried the the simulated games this year. I I think it comes down to to pitching. I think they're pitching aside, you know, Strider pitched decently in the elimination game, but you, you have to have guys that are out there. They're going to have power arms coming out of the bullpen like Philadelphia had. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also they need offensively that guy. Um, and when I say that guy, I mean, a guy like Jock Peterson, a guy that's going to say, you know what, we're not losing this game today. I may not be yep. in the lineup, but I'm going to make sure everybody is in that right frame of mind, almost like a football frame of mind. You know, you don't want to go, far and, and lose your mind but you need that guy and obviously they had a couple of guys like that when they won the world series 21 Solaire was one of those guys but but jock was really that guy and i i know talking to players they all really gravitated to him in that clubhouse you have a lot of nice guys on this team and you know what's the old adage nice guys finish last i'm not willing to go that far but i do think you need some attitude responsible attitude but attitude nevertheless in that clubhouse. I think to me, that's that's the one thing that was missing from this team. Well, don't you think we need that guy as a starting pitcher, that guy as a hitter, and that guy as a bullpen pitcher? Because the Tyler Matzik nutsack bobblehead over here, he was that guy in the bullpen. Absolutely. And, and we don't have it. I mean, because even, you know, like Russell Iglesias, I mean, he's a good closer, but he's not that guy. He's not right. that guy. That crazy Tyler Matzik plants that back foot and flips those hips, you know, all that craziness. We didn't have that. We don't have that as a starter. And was John Smoltz on your show Friday when he was talking yeah. about the, yeah, yeah, so he said Atlanta needs a frontline starter. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that Spencer Strider is about to be that guy, mm-hmm. but I think he needs some help to be that guy because he's never there anymore. Yeah, I'll stop you right there. Alex Anthopoulos is not going to do that. We all know that. He's just and why not? not? Why not? He's look at his track record with the Braves. He is not going to go out there and sign a frontline starter. He's but is it the owners not letting him? Which I'm an owner of five shares, but I think it is. Listen, I get what you're saying. And what did he say? He's got a secret plan. I mean, the starting lineup set aside from the, the option, the decision you have to make with Eddie Rosario in left field. But I mean, the logical plan, if, if he is going to change things, it has to be with his starting pitching. It has to be with power arms. Pierce Johnson, I, I know that he pitched well in the postseason. He's a power arm, but you need somebody bigger than that with more of a presence and more of an attitude. Maybe, Eddie, this is the year he does break the bank for a starter. I, I get it. He doesn't want to do it for position players. He doesn't want to do it for starters. Max Breed, I think, is going to walk. I don't think they're going to pay him beyond this year, but, but maybe he rolls the dice on a guy like an Aaron Nola. It'll break the bank, but maybe he doesn't. That, that's the thing I can think of unless he goes after a guy like a Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray yeah. um, I, that's not exactly going to move the meter, but but you're right. right, Eddie. That's been his MO, getting guys like that where you sign them to two or three. Your deep. 
Let's see yeah. if he, he changes that philosophy to go all in and try to win a title. The guy that's out there is, Tre is, is Trevor Byron. That is the guy. You want a guy that is a starter. You want, like I said, I, I've talked about it on here before. He turned around and threw the ball over the center field wall. And when he did that, he I knew he was that guy. That's who we need. And what, what would what would, what would happen, Nick, if uh, if the Atlanta Braves uh, brought in Trevor Bauer? Well, I would have a heart attack, first of all, because I would be the most excited guy alive. So. Yeah, I mean, it would be fascinating for us because I would just sit back and take calls. What do you think of Trevor Bauer? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, his ability is off the charts, but, man, he is uh, – I, I know from when he pitched up in Cleveland, I talked to some people I know up there, he's a, he's a strange bird, man. All of that other stuff aside, why he got, um, yeah. you know, thrown out of Major League Baseball, all of that aside, he's he's a different cat. And I yeah, that's, 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 that's Jock Peterson. That's really take that yeah. part of it and hope that he can pitch. Like we all know he can pitch if you're going to bring a guy like that in. On paper, I get it. But like I said, with everything else, it may go, go completely against everything this team stands for. Yeah, he's got he's got but, the attitude, but it's like a weird attitude. It's yeah. it's not like the it's not the attitude like Jock Peterson or like Adolis right. Garcia. It's like he sits in the corner by himself on the plane ride and like you know plays Uno by himself type. Right. The allegations, but but that stuff. Let's say it was consensual. That that stuff isn't going to go over really well with the wives. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. It's not. Right. It's not. Bobby Cox was our manager. Just saying. I know. Happened years ago. I get it. Trust me. You're, you said all that. Spencer Strider is not exactly a normal dude. No, I mean, that, that guy's totally yeah bizarre. So yeah, I mean, it's, we have a guy already here. But he's but he's got the 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 attitude we need though. I think mm -hmm. he's he's that. Oh, but not you, you have at to, all. You have to go find a left fielder. That I mean, Eddie Rosario, great guy, right? Marcelo Zuna, eh, you know. Um, but you got to go find that. He's got the you know. He's got that swag about him. There's there's not that swag on this team. And I hate to say it, like Freddie kind of had that swag, but it was an unspoken swag. Flat swag. Yeah. Right. And then and then Dansby kind of had it in a sense. Yeah. And both those guys are gone. Um, Jock obviously had it, you know. Uh it's just not there. This team was too nice, in my opinion, Nick, uh, to to win the World Series. Some someone brought up uh Tommy Pham, the guy playing. Yeah. Had to crack Jock Peterson over fantasy football. If you don't know, he literally slapped him. Um, yeah. But he's a guy that is uh, someone that can be that guy in the clubhouse. And he's a guy that isn't afraid of a big moment. You saw he went four for four in game two for Arizona, the World Series. So, yeah, I mean, you leave no stone unturned because certainly the talent is there every place else. But I, I think if they had to do it all over again, they may have tried to sign Jock Peterson instead of Eddie Rosario, I think. Well, but they're saying they're going to pick up Eddie Rosario's $9 million option. Why would they do that? They they very well do it for $9 million. You know, Charlie Morton, his $20 million, that's another question. I think he's going to retire personally, but if he wants I hope to. You're, I hope you're right. Him as well. But if they get Charlie Morton, they're telling you they're going to go with Strider, they're going with Freed, and they're going with Morton again as the top three. And then you're going to have – Paul's boy, he, he loves Bryce Elder, and you're going to have somebody. I mean, you know, like, if they do that, they're forfeiting the year. Charlie Morton does not need $20 million. Now, I personally would be okay with Charlie Morton as the four for $10 million, but right. not as the three for $20 million. So. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the deal that they signed him to when they made that announcement last year. I, I didn't quite understand it. I think he said he had some unfinished business, but he's one of those guys, he's he's going to give you innings, but he, he is. is. He is. 
listen, he's an innings eater, and that's the one reason they would want him back. But, but I totally agree. $10 million, uh, four starter as opposed to $20 million and one of your top three starters, that that's a, a huge difference. So, but like I said, I don't walk away. I don't think he, he's going to pitch. I, that's going to be his own decision. I think I saw that they said one of the big draws to keeping Charlie Morton was all of his strikeouts. He's, I think he's averaging 10.1 or 10.3 yeah. for nine innings. So, I mean, that, I understand that. But it's like, that's your four starter. That's your five starter. Do not, if, if he's your three, they're forfeiting the season. They're just, I mean, he's 41. He's exactly. going to be 41. That's hurt 80 in real terms, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, well, somebody, somebody just asked, how old is he? Yeah, he's 41. Yeah, and what's the old adage? Better to get rid of a guy a year too early as opposed to. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just I I totally am on board with Charlie not pitching here for twenty million dollars. So I totally agree. Before before uh, we let you go, Nick Shohei Otani is going to be a hot name. Obviously, is there any way you could see him in Atlanta? Yeah, I, I just I, I can't see it, especially now with with the arm injury. I mean, listen. If they weren't paying Ozuna what they're paying him, he has to come back. And I, I don't I, I appreciate what he did. He proved me and everybody else wrong. That, that's sure. That's not gonna happen next year. He's not gonna give you 40 home runs next year. No, he's got to be traded. They had the opening there and he could play in the outfield a little bit, obviously pitch for you. I you know, Domino said something about trying to convince him to sign like a shorter deal, a three-year deal worth like 75 million. That that's great. You can make that pitch, but I personally, I think he's going to stay in California. I don't know if he wants to deal with that New York lifestyle, the, the yeah. writers clubhouse, you know, five to 10 of them. Every time you walk in wanting a story, I, I don't know if he's going to stay with the angels. I, I think he may go to the Dodgers. Now I just heard there's some talk of the Cubs maybe being interested in I him. Something if he went to Chicago. I heard the Padres is a real shot. Yeah. Could be. I mean, like I said, if he wants to stay in Southern California, obviously. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Not the, the angels. Well, Nick, uh, again, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. We've had many. We had Bill Shanks, uh, Jeff Dansler, John Michaels, and now you. So, I mean, it's we've got like the Mount Rushmore here of uh, yes. radio personalities in, in the state. So, we appreciate it so much. Appreciate you getting on with hey, us. Hey, before Nick goes, tell everybody how they can listen to your yeah. show. And and I'll, I'll tout your show real quick. The, okay. the, the, the time that you guys handed off from like 150 to 230, right. there's some crossover talk between your show Cellini and Domino and Chuck and Chernoff. Right. It's the greatest 40 minutes of radio that in the world. It's just great. Y'all do BS. You talk about birthdays. It's an, in fact, I was in the car the other day and y'all play that birthday song. My wife's like, this is piercing. This is awful. You know what I'm talking about, Nick? I mean, yes. why do you listen to this crap? Yeah, y'all go through the birthday list. It's great it, stuff. It, it, it's uh, your wife knows then that's how guys operate. That's how we <laughs> are behind the scenes. But I, I appreciate that. Uh, we have, we have a lot of fun. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We don't know what we're going to talk about, obviously during that segment, but uh, Chris and I are on 11 to two, two 30, as you said, um, Monday, Tuesday, then we're done at two exactly. Cause of the Braves clubhouse report on Wednesdays and then Thursday, Friday, we go back to that whole round and round with Chuck and Chernoff. but you can listen at uh, 680. You can listen at 93.7 FM. And then you got the 680, the fan app. And I think you can watch us on YouTube and yeah. uh, somewhere up on the Roku stick and Apple TV. We're, uh, we're all over. Believe it yeah. or not, we must be desperate for programming. If they're putting us, I was going to say, you got You got to wear a shirt in the studio now, Nick. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> like I'm doing that's still optional though right yeah it is like we could be pat mcafee He's yeah. still like <laughs> hey nick thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it my pleasure guys anytime thanks right. nick
Nick Cellini there. Awesome guy, man. Awesome guy. Um, 680, yeah, that do over there at 680 is awesome. Um, like you said, the the 150 to 230 when they're like handing it off to each other, it's just nonsense. It's it's awesome. Um, now we go from gentlemen, we go from Nick Cellini to uh, <laughs> upper echelon. I tried to bring him in, he didn't even come on. He's audio only. Oh my god, Ben Bachman with his audio off. You know I mean, my audio is on. There there we go. Go. Don't be an asshole today, Paul. You were one last night. I'm not happy. Was it not? Was it not? Did you guys not see the mute thing next to his yes. name? It was muted. Yeah, that's fake news. I saw it. I saw it. Um, so yeah, we, we somehow go from Nick Chelaney, you know, been in Atlanta for 30 years, to to Ben Bachman, and somehow the numbers are probably going to go up. The the people love old Choppy. So uh, is Choppy Foster now. Foster on here. Is Foster Moss uh, yeah. on here, Paul? F Foster's here. Yeah. All right, I got the glizzy for him. I got it. Whoa. <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just said, Ben, what's up, my guy? There he is. Um, ben, so you have turned from uh, – you still you still have your football connects uh, for the recruiting, but you've turned into a basketball recruiting uh, savant, really. Uh, yeah, uh, I have. And um, you, you were the first one to predict Asa Newell to Georgia, five-star. Mm -hmm. He just committed. There's a couple more kids that uh, Georgia's in it on. And uh, can you – can you kind of tell us what uh, what you've been up to lately with this basketball stuff and who these guys are? Because right now we're in the heat of football season, but right. it seems like Georgia basketball is is making some waves. And tell Eddie what he needs to hear. You know, I'm actually going to tie both of them in together because first, Mike White comes from Florida, so which I think is crazy enough that a basketball coach, coach of Florida, takes the Georgia job. I never thought I'd ever see that in my life. Now I'll tell you. So he landed five-star Austin Newell, who's down from Montverde. He's initially from Athens, Georgia. And that's where he grew up. His brother's a walk-on on the team. His first offer was from Eric Pastrana, who's the lead assistant coach for Georgia right now. He was the very first guy to offer him when he was in the eighth grade, here before anybody else offered him. So all those connections led to the second he got the job, Asa was the number one priority the second Mike White got the job. Darian Reed, who could be committing very soon, a five-star from Grovetown, Georgia, he moved out to California for a senior year, who Georgia's leading for, was their number two priority. They basically said early on, because basketball, it's not like football where you sign 25 guys, obviously. You, you sign like three or four. They said, these are our guys. We're going all in on them, and they're leading for almost all of them. And the crazy thing about this is Mike White took over for Billy Donovan, who's a legend. And now he's at Georgia where he feels more comfortable. The situation at Florida was not good. Think about this. Since he's taken the job at Georgia, he signed four top 100 basketball recruits. Florida signed zero. He signed five four-stars. Florida signed one. That's how crazy Mike White's been as a recruiter compared to whatever Florida hired, whatever G5 coach they hired. So that's why right now it's an insane recruiting heater. And the fact is, if he signs Darian Reed and Connie Roos, who I've both projected to Georgia based off everything I've heard, Anthony Dasher's heard, They'll have the number two hoops recruiting class in the country. And that's number something two? number two. Only oh one that's gosh. higher is Missouri with five commitments. Georgia would have three commitments and would only be like half a point behind them. That's so, insane. The hoops now, three five stars in one class for the Georgia basketball team? At least two. The other one's like a couple spots away from getting a fifth. So, really? Yeah. And the crazy thing is they've never signed two five stars in a class. They're pacing to do it. Never signed a five-star forward. They just got one, who I think is going to be a top-ten recruit. I know other services have him as a top-ten. 
he's going to move up into the top 10 overall. I'm convinced he's been in that he's been there and he's been dropped to like 11 or 12 been there, but he's a special talent. Whoa. Um, did you You're right there, bud. No, that was mayhem. Okay. I have no idea what's going on in this household. Um, it's just when you look at it under Tom Crean, they never came close to like top 10 classes. They had years where they were 50s. Now we're talking his first really full year because his first season he was behind the eight ball. And he still signed a top three class in the SEC. Think about this. He's going to sign a better class than Kentucky this year. Kentucky. Really? I never thought the Georgia basketball would be that. And the next 2025, this last name, if you're a Hawks fan, if you're a Georgia fan, Last name Wilkins is a big one. Jacob Wilkins, the son of Dominique Wilkins, who's a he's gonna end up a five star when it's all said and done. He's gonna commit on Tuesday. I'd be shocked if George is not the pick. Be shocked. And that's this Tuesday, gonna, like two days from now. Two days from now. Tuesday wow. at five thirty. Okay. So that to me is just special. And the number one recruit in the in uh, the state of Georgia, top five recruit. This makes me feel old. I know Eddie and, and others feel old. And he says, I grew up a diehard Jake Fromm fan at Georgia. That makes me feel really old. Caleb Wilson. Georgia's doing a terrific He can push for the number one recruit in the country for 25. Georgia's deep in that list early on. That goes to show this staff is willing to recruit the hell out of the state of Georgia and nationally. Because previously, you had guys like Nick Claxton and others who signed for Georgia never heard from the head coach. Now you have Mike White going all out saying, I'm recruiting Asa Noah, five-star multiple hours a day, every day. This just goes to show the basketball program's changing. He, I think Mike White in his first year had more wins than any year under Tom Crean. So I think this sure. basketball program, I think I looked at it from this perspective, Paul. Auburn was a one seed in the NCAA tournament with all five starters being from the state of Georgia. Really? Think that. And a lot of those kids, one was a Georgia legacy, Walker Kessler, as a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. Jabari mm-hmm. Smith, Georgia finished second for him. And that's what fairly like hard with that staff. Mike White was the probably signs of Georgia. He was top three players. And a transfer from Georgia, Katie Johnson, right? Johnson, he was a 20-point scorer. Yeah. He was like their fourth option. Right. And they one seed in the tournament. Alabama, who, I'll be honest with you, with the resources Georgia has, can be a better basketball team than Alabama. Because you got the state talent, booster base. If Georgia was really aggressive about what they are now, they could be a top basketball program. I'm not saying they're going to win a title because the 64 team tournament, we, we've seen like UMBC beat Virginia. Like right. so the tournament, you, ne- you never know. But Georgia yeah. even that tournament, which is all you can ask for. So I think that this program can be something now that the boosters and the coaching staff is all in. Okay, so what is different, what is different between the Tom Creams and you know the previous coaches than what Mike White's doing? Because I guess what is Mike White selling? Is he is it NIL or I mean because our facilities are still you know less than great. So what is he selling to get them here? Well, one, he's actually trying to recruit. That that's okay. Most important thing, but another thing, NIL. I'll say this: Kirby Smart, and Mike White, NIL philosophy is much different. So, people on the vault who complain about the Kirby Smart NIL situation, I'll tell you, Mike White willing to let these kids get paid big numbers. Now, the difference is paying twenty-five kids in a recruiting class big NIL and paying three. You can pay and just buy a top three class in basketball and just divert all money to three kids. It's easy because you're you know dividing them up to less people. But when it comes to also coaching, think about this. Mike White is the most consecutive NCAA appearances by an SEC school when he was at Florida. Made the NCAA tournament most consecutive years. And Florida fans wanted him out. They were they were done with him. Georgia had Tom Crean for like four years. Yeah. Took four years to get him out. And Mike White makes the 
first and second times in SEC history, and they're like giving him death threats. Like yeah. that's why I think the pressure for him is down at Georgia. The in-state talent base is high. So when you look at, at Mike White now, he has NCAA experience. Where when you look at Tom Crean, the thing he was selling was, I coached Dwayne Wade. I coached yeah. Dwayne Wade. Yeah. That's all they talked about. He was at Indiana with like Victor Oladipo yep. not making the tournament. Indiana's like a blue blood. He, didn't, he couldn't make the tournament with top five picks. Like, it, we, we know that he was just a guy who just got a star player and relied on him. Where Mike White's consistently making the tournament. He's beaten Kentucky his first year, Auburn his first year, and that's a sales pitch that when I get this job, I'm already beating Georgia's biggest rivals on the court, and I've made it to the tournament. So I think when they look at his also his tempo, I mean, look at they, don't, they didn't play lick deep. I would look up at Georgia basketball. They're not watchable. Even under Anthony Edwards, they're giving up 90 points a game. Yeah. Mike White's holding teams to 50, and yeah. is playing with effort and tempo, and people see it. When you have a recruiting staff – where one of their assistant coaches, Andy, is like a huge Georgia guy. So he knows high school talents in the state of Georgia. Another one, uh, Coach Misdean, offered the number one recruit in the state of Georgia, was the first guy to offer him. So he can identify talent. He's like the guy who's got the eye for talent. You got the in-state Georgia guy. And then Pastrana's the guy who picked up Newell, who's like that ace. Like, he gets on you, he's not losing. He's like Todd Harvey when he finds a good tight end. The guy who's just like, okay, we're going to leash him on him. And then Mike White's the, the head man behind it all who's keeping everything together. So they have a really well-rounded staff. And I yeah. think that's where before it was like, okay, if Tom Crean, he's not recruiting, you need a staff of other guys. Mm-hmm. You need the, the other – the Sam Pittmans and Todd Hartleys that Coach Hardat, he didn't have that to, to you know rely on where Mike White does. And I think that's the difference why the recruiting – Dan, I'm behind Mike White 100%. I love everything I'm hearing from you. This is fantastic. I've been dying for this since I was, I watched uh, back in what, 1991. I was there when we brushed the floor and we finally won the SEC. Things were different then. And that's, that's been it pretty much. I mean, a few tournaments. You got to make the tournament. And I'm not saying you got to go to the final four. You got to make the tournament, and I think you got to go to the Sweet 16. That's what you got to do. Okay. That, that mm-hmm. puts your program on the map. Can Mike White do that? A, make the tournament. B, get to the Sweet 16. And I know it's a crap shoot. It's a stupid mm-hmm. question. I get it. But that's what you got to do. I think he can because I think Nate at Alabama has made the Sweet 16. And I'll tell you, Mike White made the Elite Eight at Florida one year. He made the Elite Eight. So if you were making the Elite Eight before, you put him at Georgia. He, I, I think easily with the resources, he can make the Sweet 16 with basketball classes like this. There we go, folks. Your, your basketball news from Ben Choppy Bachman. Ben, thank you so much, sir, for your time. Yeah, and I wish you all your Falcons fans well. I, I'm just letting you know real quick on that. Kind of L today, but I still think with Taylor Heineke, and also I looked at your schedule, Paul, you're going to win that. So any of you guys weren't – no, we're not. We're going to lose to the Saints twice. We're going to lose to the Saints. Eddie, they're not a good team. Neither are we. The Falcons are terrible. The Falcons are <laughs> awful. This is my quick point. You guys have a good offensive line. Definitely. No, we don't. What are you watching, Ben? You're watching the Ravens. You're not watching the Falcons. <laughs> we do not have a good offensive line. The offensive line. What are you, crazy? <laughs> what? The, when you have Desmond running back, they're not every sack is on the, the O-line. I mean, you have him – just fumbling the ball and just running into defenders half the time. I'm, I'm looking up and watching the Falcons. 
Right, and he's going to start next week. That tells you how stupid the head coach is. He's the okay, starter next week. If he continues to start, I'm not buying Atlanta. But if Taylor starts, sorry, he's starting next week. Not a single team in your division has a winning record. So you're telling me you can't make the playoffs? Yes, I'm telling you we cannot make the playoffs. That's how bad this franchise has been. I've been watching this franchise since 1975. It is never going to change, ever. But that defense, Jesse Bates. What what does the defense do today? They'll have a 31-year-old receiver and a rookie quarterback torch their ass. It was ridiculous. Four TDs. Four. Come on, Ben. You didn't watch it. You watched the Ravens. Okay, well, the Ravens are elite. No, that's a, the, I know, that's a elite and I'm jealous. But the Chiefs lost state of the Broncos. It's a week-to-week yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't have. Ben, your audio, is, your audio is worse than the Falcons. My I, Okay, is it better now? <laughs> I, I, have my spe- I have my speaker on, like, my leg. That, that's, that's my that's why I'm the Falcons. <laughs> hey, the, I'm telling you, the Falcons will be a playoff team. That is, well, that is my if they make the playoffs, they're, they're, they're going to get put out in the first round. They have no shot. At no, whoever wins that division is a first round exit. Yeah. We all agree on that. Yeah, that's why I don't want them to win another playoffs. game. I want the Falcons to lose every game. I don't think there's any reason to make the playoff if you can't do anything. We'll see what happens, Ben, but we appreciate you. I know that. Yes, I appreciate sir. you too, Paul. You didn't take enough shots at me today. So, you know what? I'll chalk that up as a dub for you. There you go, brother. See ya. All right, I'll see all three of you guys. See you, man. See you, Ben. Yeah, the audio was rough, Benny boy. Rough audio. Dogfather says, uh, what's he say here? He says, hey, boys, sorry I'm late. Autograph signing. What, he was signing autographs? Is that what that know. was? The dog uh, dog he dog lives dog. right down the road from me. He lives about five miles from me. So. You Maybe you missed the autograph time. signing in Royston there. I know. The he was here. It wasn't Ty Cobb. I mean, I know he wasn't the one doing it, but. <laughs> Foster Moss says, Ben, I didn't know Blackberries had front cameras. <laughs> it was rough. That was rough. I mean, he brought some good good points, but we lost yeah. half the viewers because nobody could hear. So that yeah. was that was rough there. Um, uh, let's see. Andy Adams says, Arthur Blank has no business owning any sports franchises. Eddie, you want to uh, uh, explain, like, expound upon that a little bit uh, before we get out of here? Hang on, Eddie. Can I answer? Can, when we were talking today during the text messages – can I tell you what we were saying? I think Eddie said, WTH is wrong with the Falcons. And I said, one, Arthur Blank, two, Arthur Blank, three, Arthur Blank. He's the worst owner in the NFL. That's why the Falcons will suck until he gets rid of them. He might, he, he, everyone's a puppet on a string for him. And he's just going to do what he wants to do. And he doesn't understand football. Well, you guys are probably too young to remember, but the Rankin-Smith ownership was the worst in football for years. And they they just had them – they just owned them just to own them. It was, it was awful, okay? And Blank came in and what? What was that, 99, I think, when he bought the team? Maybe 2000? I can't remember. Around that time. And Blank did some great things at the beginning. He really did. And, and put us on the map, okay, with Michael Vick. I'm sure he was involved in that. But – since the Super Bowl debacle, Blank has become, and he and you said it, Andy, he rolled Michael Vick on the field yeah. whenever that was, when he broke his leg. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. I was like, what are you doing here? Since 28-3, to 3, Blank has become the worst owner in the NFL. He's awful. And his fingers are in every move we make, every move we make. 
And I'm telling you, he wanted Kyle Pitts. He wanted Drake London. He wanted Desmond Ritter. He wanted B. John Robinson because th that sells tickets. Okay. An offensive lineman that nobody's heard of that's a total badass, that doesn't sell tickets. It doesn't. But that's how you build a winning football team. When you draft a running back with the eighth pick of the draft, that guy needs to be touching it 25 times a game. Your head Absolutely. coach with his mustache, he goes out there, the creepy stuff, and he says, we're going to play the hot hand. If you draft a running back eighth overall, you don't play the hot hand. That guy is 25 touches or you don't draft him. Plain, as simple as that. Oh. Foster Moss, been using internet off the AOL disc they used to send in the mail. <laughs> Dog father, Ben was on his stallion's burner phone. That's so great. That's so true, too. Oh, um, hey, guys, I got one more before we do get out of here. Um, yeah. You know, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned my nieces, the Hart County High School um, girls varsity volleyball team. They went all the way to the Final Four in the state. They played yesterday in the Oconee. They played the Oconee. Oconee County Warriors, not North Oconee, and they lost. Um, it was mm. close, but they, they, they lost. They come up a little short. So, um, But my niece, Hannah Harris, she played great. And um, Dakota Phillips, she's really good. She played awesome. And Ella Franklin, they played really good. And I hate it for them, but it was a good season. They went to the Final Four. I never went anywhere near that far. So that's what I tried to tell Hannah. I was like, that is incredible. But um, they're going to be playing. Well, their season's over, but the championship's going to be up in Aqua. Uh, near eight, so I sent him a message. I was like, I'm coming up backward Friday when Hart County wins, but now it's they had a really good season, so yeah, they got cheated. There you go, the officials were from Alberton, yeah, they're right there, so he knows. Um, but yeah, it was it was sad, but they did really good. So Hannah and Ella and Dakota, great job, y'all did really good. Awesome, good for them. Yeah, I, I hey, do y'all know it? Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, the only memory I have of Hart County, we played basketball against them. I got dunked on. I'm pretty sure I'm in a, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in a, uh, a yearbook photo for Hart County. The, the yearbook person was taking photos, and I just got dunked on. Uh, well, got what, what year got, was that? Uh, 2008. 2008. Yeah. I will see if I can find this poster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is our background picture. You can put it no. in the background picture. No, what, what, here's what happened, though. So – um, I was, no, it was 2007. I was a sophomore and I was playing varsity. No big deal. Right. But, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they put me in garbage time and I'm going in, they get a steal. Then they, they're running back down and I'm guarding the guy with the ball. And I didn't know there was another dude on the other side. So he threw it up in the air to his buddy on the other side. I turned around like, what's he doing? And then just all of them a face. And then I turn around and there's just this little like nerdy yearbook kid like just taking pictures and i was like man i hope he didn't get that was he laughing uh, i i don't really remember um it was i tried to wash that memory out of my out of my head honestly um, i'm gonna go yeah. tour the high school tomorrow and see if i can find that picture of you getting posterized yeah 2007 would be the uh would be the year actually 2007 hey early spread is out on the georgia missouri game do y'all know what it is 20.5 no, 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 no! It's not twenty. From Fanduel, it is Fanduel has a twenty. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it that high. I haven't yes. seen it that high. Twenty point five is what Fanduel has listed at. Let's that's see. not. Oh my! That, that's ridiculous. Dogfather saying sixteen and a half. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Sixteen and a half. Yep. And yeah, yeah. Mr. Sampson saying sixteen and yep. a half too. Yep. Yep. Huh. 
So it looks like it opened. It did open on FanDuel at 20 and a half. It did. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it wow. opened there. It, it surely went It went low fast. God, um, I'd have taken that in two seconds. All right, what so six, Jeff Hensler say? He says Las Vegas was not built by accident. So they know what they're doing. So 20 16, and a half? That's, 16 and a half, gentlemen. Uh, this game. that we'll, we'll finish off with this. 16 and a half. You taking Georgia to cover or uh, – Mizzou to uh you're gonna lay the points with Mizzou. That's 16 and a half. Yes, sir. I'll take Mizzou. That's 16 Ooh. and a half. And I think that I think that ends up by 10 at the end of the week. No way. Think, yeah. No, it'll, it'll, go down, it'll go down to 14 and a half, I think. What okay. be All right. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I see. 16 I and a half. Georgia, I think Georgia wins. They won't cover 16 and a half. I think I think they win by 10 or 13. I think I think they get close. So, so here's here's the thing. Everybody last week thought that game was going to be close. Hang on, what's the Georgia Florida game? Correct. I, I never thought it was going to be close at all. So. Well, yeah, everybody except Andy and I. I went 40 <laughs> I went 42 17. Uh you everybody did. thought you it was going to be made a good call. Everybody good thought call. it was going to be, you know, 34-31. Man. Now, this is what scares me though because Dogfather just put 34-16. And that would cover, that would cover the spread. But as I as I was just about to utter the words out of my mouth that I thought the Georgia Bulldogs were going to cover, that score right there would have to be what it would look like for them yeah. to cover. Um, you know what? Screw it. Forty two. We're going. We're running it back. Forty two seventeen again. Uh, second week in a row. I'm calling it forty two seventeen. Go ahead and cash your chips. Uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs in the in the money and in the, in the spread. I mean, I had Georgia thirty-seven twenty versus Florida, so I did get the twenty point right. Um, but um, I don't know. You're, you're starting to make me wonder. Um, I think Georgia wins by about thirteen, so I don't know if it'll be that high. But I would love it. I, I you know, they're getting a little chirpy, and that's when teams start getting chirpy. When fans start start talking, that's when Kirby and the team, which Kirby never hears anything, but he always knows what the other coach was saying. So. I guess y'all saw the Dan Mullen stuff. Um, oh, yeah. yeah oh, Kirby yeah. doesn't listen to any media. He doesn't know anything about anything. But my friend said that. He said, I thought we were going to be friends. But he doesn't like to recruit. So whatever. He's so full of crap. He knows I, everything. He's, he's I know. he knows, totally full of crap. Yeah. If a coach sends people to scout the, the football stadium and to make sure that we got bathrooms up there, he knows what the media is saying. So, yeah. But, um, hey. I like your prediction, Paul. That's good. Antoine and Foster riding with me. That's all I need, gentlemen. That's all I need. So, guys, we appreciate it so much. It's the All Things Georgia Call-In Show. Uh, we appreciate Nick Cellini from 6A yeah, The Fans awesome. stopping by and talking with us. And then I guess we do have to shout out Ben Choppy Bachman for stopping in and yeah. giving us the worst audio, but some of the best news on Georgia basketball we've heard in a long time. If you yeah. could hear it, if you could hear it. George basketball, that's a lot. I did not know me. I knew we got the recruit, the Newell guy, but I did not know about oh, he was coming to you. That was awesome. And uh, before we get out of here, we've got the doctor here. They're about to do some film don't lie. <laughs> what's uh, what's what's not lying about the film tonight, Doc? Uh, Georgia played well. There's still some things. There's a, the interesting thing about you were talking about Missouri coming up. A lot of things from that game that preview what you're going to see in the Missouri game. And, and by the way, these are some of the things that Florida actually had success with. So that, that, I think that was, that was really outside of that, you know, 
Lab McConkey's pretty awesome. It's good to have him fully back. Uh, Beck's playing as well as anyone in the country. I mean, it's it's a lot of good to talk about when you when you put it on the Gators like that. Hey Doc, I got a question for you. Is the okay. bye week a problem for us? Meaning Missouri's <laughs> off. Missouri's off, and and they've had two weeks to prepare for us. Is that a problem? Uh, I mean, yes and no. It, they they're going to be as healthy as they've been, just like you were yesterday. Yeah. But in terms of like Kirby said, hey, we spent a day on Missouri yeah, during the bye week, uh, and that's and I'm sure they spent a day on Ole Miss, and I'm sure they spent time on Tennessee like they always do. So that. Th- they're going to be prepared. I, th- I think you just – the energy in the state – obviously this, the game and how it went made the energy sort of amp up big time. Mm-hmm. But I would almost bet, too, that this is one of those ones where Kirby, Snap, staff, everybody involved knew they just had to get through the first seven. Six, right. you know, yeah. whatever, you know, Get through those first seven weeks and then now get to this home stretch where – uh, you're going to be challenged, and the next two weeks are going to be you're going to be challenged. Uh, unlike, and I actually think offense, like the Georgia's defense, the offenses that they're about to face the next two weeks can challenge them more than anyone outside of Jaden Daniels doing crazy things or Alabama just being. I, I actually don't think I think Alabama's offense is not not that great. So I think the biggest thing that the the dogs need to do is just they need to look in the mirror. Because that's that's your competition. All right, folks. I switched them. I switched them up, Paul. Yeah, I see I'm that. Still waiting for your eyes. Full hearts can't lose. You've got to get that one. That just and if, and if not, I wonder if you can, like special order it. I'll oh, see. Yeah. You. I'll see. Yeah, you want. Andy. Andy's got you covered. Yeah, we appreciate I'll it so much, guys. Three minutes until film don't lie. Thanks. We'll see you next week.